You are listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams, and in this episode, we are discussing the final film in Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Black Panther, colon, Wakanda Forever. Joining me for this episode is the writer, artist, and creator of The Power Principle, who you can support over at patreon.com slash thepowerprinciple, Mr. New Mutant himself, Alan White. That's me. Before getting into our discussion, we are still brought to you by Derek Coward and the fine folks over at the Deliberate Noise Network. Head to DeliberateNoise.com for more current and archived shows from the network. Alan, it is a wonderful Sunday evening for you. What are you uh, What are you having to drink to wash the night away? In honor of the heart-shaped herb, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I reached out to get something purple. So I have blackberry-flavored brandy and sangria. Oh, look at you. Mixed together. So I didn't even – I didn't do my usual mixer. I have I have a cup full of this heart-shaped herb and just <laughs> a sip. Just a sip and, um, yeah, straight alcohol, everybody. All right. So what we are may- you drinking? <laughs> Uh, I was going to have this blue bottle, this uh, this sort of oceanic blue kind of uh, this Bellini uh, that my wife has in there, but I decided against it because, like I told you before, we pushed that record button. I haven't felt the best today, so instead I'm just going with the sparkling ice berry lemonade. <laughs> Blessed. Yeah, so I'm taking it easy. Blessed child. That's right. So that is what we are drinking. The film we are discussing is once again from 2022, and it is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Only the most broken people. His people did not call him General or King. They called him Kukul Khan, the Feather Serpent God. Killing him will risk eternal war. He's coming for the surface world. What you whisper, they have lost the protector. Now is our time to strike. Show them. Who 
And the IMDb plot synopsis from my man Nick Reganis goes like this. Following the untimely death of the fierce Black Panther, grieving Queen Ramonda and noble Princess Shuri struggle to find their feet in a world eager to strip Wakanda of its precious vibranium resources. But one year after the death of King T'Challa, the country faces yet another threat. This time, King Namor and the mutant leader of an unstoppable oceanic warrior race is determined to protect the hidden underwater kingdom of Talokan from the surface world at all costs. And as the invaders' suffocating stranglehold titans, Wakanda must prepare to fight with or without its valiant defender. Wow. That's not too bad. (laughs) it's like our best poetic <laughs> it's like the damning praise of well i mean i it's close <laughs> i guess that's what it's about uh so i guess let me ask you the big que- this big question that i had throughout and i feel like this may need some contemplation oh uh, and i think it's the thing that i i kept on thinking of throughout this film but what is this about to you? What is this movie about? It's about grief. Okay. It's about um, coming to terms with purpose. Mm-hmm. It's. I think it's more. I think it's more about grief and and learning how to. Well, no, it's just about grief. How to deal with grief. Yeah, so see, that's sort of the struggle that I had with the film. Um, I thought, so a a brief history was my kid went to the theater to see this. Mm. She was over the moon about it. She watched it with my wife the first day that it came out on Disney+. Plus. I believe I was either doing a recording or something to where I didn't watch it with them. And I never got around to it until for this recording. And I guess what what I sort of struggled with was that I felt like it was sort of Shuri's story. It was sort of Namor's story. It was sort of these parallel worlds. It was sort of a lot of things. And I was having a hard time being able to distill it down into what it wanted to say and what it wanted to be about. Because I think that you're right in that grief is probably the thing. I mean, that's the thing that we bookend the the film with and vengeance plays a big role in sort of uh Shuri's coming of age and what she doesn't want to become with the, with the little surprise cameo that was in there that I didn't know about and was gleeful when he showed up. When, at what time? In the in in the film or at the end of the film? Uh, in the film, when she, when she's trying to be like T'Challa and she's trying not to be oh, like. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Wait, yeah, you're yeah. Talk, so you're talking about um, in the fever dream? Kind yes, of thing. yes. Okay. And so so I think I think you're right in that it wants to be about grief, but I feel like it is really overstuffed with things that didn't need to be there if you're if you're going to focus the film about just grief like there's there's maybe like a handful of characters that i can think of that didn't need to be in the movie at all and i'm kind of like why why is this in here like okay sure this helps 
for this one plot point, but overall, like, did they need to, couldn't you wrote around that and saved yourself a few time, a few minutes here and there? And so anyway, so we'll get into that, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, my, my first thing that I, that I put <laughs> was, I, so like I said, I had, I didn't know anything about this movie other than I knew that it from the one teaser trailer. So not giving anything away but i bet it did though the one teaser trailer <laughs> was that i knew that they were going to be upfront about t'challa's death about chadrick wow. boseman's death and so i was like okay uh because you know i i thought it was going to be a really interesting choice as to what do you do with a sequel to a film when the main actor has passed mm-hmm and so before I even started the movie, I looked and I was like, two hours and 43 minutes, come the F on, <laughs> is what I wrote in my notes. I was <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> um, I was, and so we, we get this opening moment and it's with Shuri and she's attempting to uh, basically 3D print um the, the the thing that will keep him alive right that you're drinking <laughs> yeah the heart-shaped herb right yes um so she's trying to to replicate that and because it was destroyed by, by killmonger in the mm-hmm. first film yes mm-hmm. and and so that's the thing that's going to be able to to save him and boy i was really left surprisingly cold by that opening mm-hmm. and i was like I don't know. I I felt like I was ready to have this sort of like emotional moment at the beginning and then watch as the audience and Shuri attempt to overcome their grief in like a final triumphant moment or, you know, is unable to overcome. Like that's the thing that she's going to be wrestling with or whatever. Right. Did you mean in the very beginning there? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Before even the Marvel logo comes up, that's all uh, Chadwick Boseman and everything. You like, thought that she was going to overcome the grief? No, before no, no, the- no, 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 no. Oh, I felt like I wanted to have, I wanted to be on her level when she's going through this grief at the beginning, and I felt like I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't know if it was because of the lack of music that was playing oh. during this, or if it was the if it was the performance that I just couldn't for some reason get quite on board with or what, or what exactly was going on. But I was like, I was stunned at how cold I felt at the beginning. So then yes. And I think that's the point. I mean, not the point. I think you're right about the performance because I have that in my notes and there were places where I know what I don't know, but I think that there were some scenes that took place between Shuri and her mom or Shuri and um, um, M'Baku. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where I had it, I had the thought that the, the script and the story was calling on Shuri to be a certain way or to be having certain emotions, but I did not get that from the actor. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're talking about is what did not happen from the actor in those scenes rather okay. than, um, I don't know, just, I think that's just where it, it sat. Mm-hmm. Where she kind of, she, she has this physicality that's very slight to me and very young to me. Mm-hmm. And there's a saying, <laughs> there's a saying in the hood that, <laughs> that um, 
sometimes you got to put some bass in your voice ah, uh-huh. if you want to bring it, you know. And I, I don't think she ever got there. She was she she keened in in crying. She was tearful. Her that happened, but there was a gravity that I never did quite get from the performance, and I think maybe that's why. I think maybe that's what happened. That's interesting that you bring up the bass in the voice um, because of our co-stars in this film with Winston Duke and Lupita Nyong'o, mm-hmm. who were the, the the leads in Jordan Peele's Us. Mm, yeah. And and in that film, Winston Duke is playing like a mild-mannered IT guy, mm-hmm. um, and he is trying to stand up for his family. And at first he's kind of like, guys, you need to get out of here. And then later he's like, if you want to have a problem, we can have a problem. <laughs> and it's all of a sudden like drops his voice and, and tries to. Bass in that voice. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so that's, that's funny that you mentioned that as I'm looking at the cast and those two are next to each other. Um, but yeah, so maybe that's what it was. And so I was kind of like, not off put. I was just sort of like wrong footed right away. I was like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be really feeling the emotions right here. And, Mm. and the Marvel uh, change up, you know, that not having the Marvel fanfare and just having images um, that helped. And I was like, okay, this is, this is like recentering me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as soon as we got Angela Bassett on screen, I was like, oh yes. (laughs) I was like, get it. Angela Bassett. (laughs) I was like, fuck the UN, I wrote. She's just all base. Oh, yes, that is. That is exactly right, yeah. Um, so I, I really liked all of that all of that stuff. Like, I was really in on her, her uh, basically telling the UN how it is, right? Mm-hmm. And I liked, I liked that quite a bit. Uh, and then we get into the sequence where we get this woman from... Uh, she's a scientist, but she's uh, what I know her from is from uh, the show New Girl to where she's dating one of the leads for a little while. And she's like very kind of calmly going through the uh, the underwater exploration that they're using to to find vibranium. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they're the heart rates, the heart rates spike and they start losing connection with the people under there. And she's like, uh she says, we just lost his vitals. Can you see him? And I'm like, oh, girl, like, have you never seen a scary movie? <laughs> <laughs> a, in, in fact, I was looking at this scene. I was looking at this sequence of events through my eyes mm-hmm. with my ears plugged up because I hate underwater. I, uh. hate, I hate the darkness of underwater, and I hate how things can blur into, into view, like mm-hmm. from the background the murky background then kind of swim up forward and there they are kind of coming up. Uh, and I was expecting all that to happen and none of that happened. <laughs> so mm. I'm glad about that. It just, it, it helped my heart rate, but yeah, it, they disappeared. Uh, the one disappeared and then the, then the, the other one, the remaining one just screamed and then, <laughs> right. Yeah. Cut. Yeah, and then we get back to the surface, and they figure out, oh, they're you know they're jumping over the sides with a siren call sort of thing, which I thought was kind of an interesting um, use of the old uh, lore of mermaids and such. I right. was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I was like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that related to Namor. Um, which, 
we'll get into uh, pronunciations, but I I can't get over when he's first introduced. He calls himself Namor. Yes. And then they say Namor throughout the rest of the show. And then I think a few times they did do the Namor part though. Yeah, they were well. It was like bouncing back and forth. Where I was like, wait yeah. a minute. And then when they were in Haiti, which they, which Haiti was pronounced different than I expected. Ayiti. <laughs> yeah. And Nakia was Nakia and Nakia there. Mm. And I was like, what in the world is going on with these pronunciations today? I was like, this sounds like <laughs> uh, this sounds like me trying to figure it. It's like it's whatever I say at that moment. That's how it's pronounced. <laughs> um. So anyway, but on that ship, before we get the sort of uh, the cloaked introduction of Namor, but uh, we have this woman and she's like, she's running around shooting dozens of bullets. I have that right in my notes. I called it the, where did I call it? I called it a mega bullet gun. (laughs) Yeah, but this woman has dozens of bullets in this gun. She sure the hell did. And then I, but I also put, I go, I cannot see shit on Disney Plus. I will tell you that much, because oh, in these I, scenes, I was like, I can't see what's going on at all. I, I, I'm glad to say that um, I got to see. I mean, I it was clearer to me than I've seen other movies before. Oh, okay. All of it being in the dark and everything, but yeah, I saw enough. I saw enough. <laughs> You saw all those bullets. That's right. I saw uh, I saw her shooting, and I saw them go down when she shot them. Which was a strange. I, I saw the guys jumping over over into the water, mm-hmm. and I saw the marked silhouette of Namor mm-hmm. in the air. And it was weird. It was weird because uh, we have Atuma is how I'm choosing yes. to pronounce um, yes. him, and he gets like he gets shot like straight away, straight in the chest, and just doesn't do anything like her first yeah. shot is just like shooting him straight in the chest mm-hmm. <laughs> several times and he just kind of stands there and then but the other people that are the unnamed uh sheep i guess they just oh. they just get mowed down with the gun and so i'm like what in the world is the deal like where's the consistency here but what i don't think ha- what i think is the case will be the case is you'll see in okoye's okoye's fight on the bridge that they go down there too, but then they get back up. Oh, that's right. When they're they're almost zombie zombie light because he tells them to get up or he tells them to go find uh, Namora or whatever. Yeah, but when they get up, they're back to their normal. They're not so much zombified, but I'm just thinking they may take that blow because it hurts, but they must regenerate or something. They hmm. they get up. So Atuma's probably got more of that whatever it is that helps them get up in him to start and so he doesn't even get put down let alone regenerate to get up you know what's weird is i just realized like so i've never said namor in my life right like Mm -hmm. i've always said namor same but i've never but i've always said namora (gasps) i've never said namora right so weird mark that ladies and namora namora ladies and gentlemen of and all genders mark that (laughs) that's right uh, so, okay, so what did I have with, oh, I put, the next thing I, I had uh, a note about was the Martin, the first Martin Freeman scene, mm-hmm. the first Everett Ross scene. And this is, for me, one of the characters where I'm like, why? <laughs> right? Because I get that they, they have to have this, some sort of subplot throughout most of phase four where Valentina shows up. Yeah. Yep. 
That's but it. I'm like, I don't care about any of this. Like, and but I like, the... but I like, and I like Martin Freeman, and I like, and I really like Julia Louise Dreyfus. But I'm like, I couldn't care at all about this stuff. Well, you answered the question though. Why? Why <laughs> yeah. are they in there? Because they're building plot threads to do their Phase Five thing with the Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I what? put. What I hate about Martin Freeman is how good his American accent is. Oh, isn't that isn't that something? I, I hate it. He I sounds mean, I like a regular it. Yank. He's so good. <laughs> so many British people are so good at English uh, at American accents. It's I true. would never be able to. I would never have known he was British. Mm-hmm. Well, you never watched uh, like Sherlock with him in it. I've watched half of the half of one of those seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I know he's British. Well, I know because, he's like, British from Lord of the Rings. Right, because the pair of them, him and Benedict, are both pretty good at the uh, American accents. Yeah. I would say. Uh, so, yeah, so the Martin Freeman stuff, I was like, it's, his, it's when they have the the little bug that he thinks is a bug, and where he's running the slowest run I've ever seen in my <laughs> life, by the way. It, it was very, like, movie running, where we're like, Martin, we only got a certain amount of space, so don't be running too fast. Um, but and uh, don't trip and don't fall because insurance is not going to pay for it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but that was such an ex- exposition dump that that first one, where it was like, "Here's all the things that you need to know." Oh, uh, remember, I know Okoye and I know these people, and we know Everett Ross, and it was just sort of like setting up the pieces and and talking about what's needed and what the UN wants and what's Wakanda's not willing to give and all that kind oh, of thing. Oh, wait, now, he didn't come in so soon into the movie. No. You, okay. No, he didn't come in, but I was that just kind of... That exposition dump was, is, is a couple of, probably an hour after into the movie. Yeah. Well, I was just kind of like, this is just all exposition. I, I don't need any of this. Like, I already got, I already know who he is. Like, I don't know. It wasn't like when he shows up, I was like, wait a minute. If I don't know who this guy is, I'm not going to get the full scope of this film. Like, it wasn't anything like that. So it was just a purely serving. It was like a producer's kind of a note to where it felt like it wasn't like you were saying. It's only there to set up the Thunderbolts. Yeah, but then there was a little bit of a um, Wakanda related connection there with. And since we're not staying linear, well, we're staying linear to my notes. So, oh, mm-hmm. you, so mm-hmm. then let me let me um, supplement your notes uh-huh. with my notes. Mm-hmm. Because after Namor, with his cloaked self, whipped the copter into the into the into the sea, mm-hmm. and so I'm figuring everybody died, all the humans died. Then we get to Wakanda. And you see Queen Romanda mm-hmm. is catching up with Shuri, and these are the this was this was th- these were the beginning of the scenes where I thought the actress was um, falling short of the gravity because first Romanda is talking to her daughter and sussing out that her daughter is is bitter, right? And if it wasn't for the queen thinking so, I wouldn't have thought so. No. Um, but Shuri's still trying to... No, no, no. Shuri is looking for something in her lab. She's just doing something in her lab. And, and Ramonda wants Shuri 
wants to know how Sherry's doing on making another heart-shaped herb mm -hmm. to get another Black Panther. Because now it's a year after the after his death. Mm -hmm. it's oh, a, right. It's yeah, it's the anniversary, right. Yeah, it's the anniversary of his death. We, we've gone forward a year. Um, all, this, all that happened a year after T'Challa's death. And Shuri doesn't want to mess with the herb. She doesn't care about the herb. She says we need new technology is what we need. We don't need the herb. So then Ramonda takes Shuri out to the river. Take me oh, to right. the water. <laughs> That's right. right. This is, this is where we get the infamous Namor <laughs> pronunciation, yeah. So she's taking her camping because she wants to um, kind of guide her daughter into the grieving process, or at least to the end of a grieving process, where Ramonda is like, well, I'm done. Like, I got my year's worth of grieving in. I'm burning these funeral clothes. This is how we do this. And Shuri is saying, if I burn my funeral clothes, I want to burn the whole world mm -hmm. and everyone in it. So that the lines is the lines are telling me that Shuri is living with bitterness and fury and anger at not being able to save her brother. But the delivery did not tell me that. That that plus Ramonda was also explaining to Shuri that when she first came out here to the river on her own journey of grieving, she listened to the wind and she felt into the spirits or whatever she did. And she sensed that T'Challa was with her and put a hand on her shoulder and was guiding her. And Shuri just shoots all that down. Mm -hmm. But Shuri says, you did not feel T'Challa. Your, your mind came up with that sensation to help you in your grieving process. That didn't happen. It, it doesn't exist. Right. So she's this rational, scientific genius shooting her mom down. But I, I thought she was supposed to be saying that out of that bitterness, right? Uh, uh -huh. Out of that same anger that she's living with because she couldn't save her brother. And now here, here comes her mother with all this spiritual mumbo-jumbo. And I didn't get that from the performance. No, because it, it was more petulant than her meaning the things that she was saying. Right. And, and specifically when it came to the burning of the clothes, which is, which is the... the the main sort of thread that goes throughout the film. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, is helps thematically with that being the thing that she needs to finally do before she's ready to let go and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. it's like, it's the only moment where I thought Shuri, well, the teacher, right. Where I thought she was, was actually bordering on being either dangerous or reckless or ruthless or more than a, like a very slight young woman. Mm -hmm. is when she's finally in the costume talking to M'Baku. Wow. That's mm -hmm. kind of where I'm like, okay, now she looks like she's unhinged and willing to do willing to to burn the world down, right? That was and that was when they were getting ready to go or yeah. when that was was that when she was telling M'Baku we're going. Uh it was when she, no, yeah, it was when she told him we're doing this and he's like, yeah, I don't think so and he's like, no, this is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, she came through in that scene. Yeah. But that was the only one. The rest of these was just yeah. kind of like it was just like a little kid yelling at her mom kind of thing. And I was like, oh, Exactly. Yeah. Not even yelling. Not even yelling. Right. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Right? If she was if she was yelling, maybe, or if she had some bass in her voice or mm -hmm. 
you know, I'm, and I was thinking, because this is, you know, my second time to watch for the show. Um, once I get it in, I just, I'm good. And then I come back to it because I work with you, Eric, and I'm glad to do so. <laughs> but on the second time around, I started thinking, who, who could have done this role and really given it what I'm, what I know it needs? And I'm thinking of like, uh, have you ever seen Black Lightning? for instance, on television. I have not. Well, the older daughter in Black Lightning could have sold this. Hmm. Uh, um, Jefferson Pierce's older daughter, and I've gone forgotten her name, and I forgot the actor's name, too, so I'm terribly <laughs> Two sorry. for two. But, but she had that kind of, kind of simmering anger that you can see. So I need an, act, I need an actor who can show up with some simmering anger that you get the sense just from the words and the body language that, oh, this this chick is dangerous. Hmm. Are you thinking maybe of Anissa Pierce? Exactly right. That's okay. the daughter. And who's the actress? Uh, Nefessa Williams. Yes. Give them props, Eric. Go ahead and work your show, bruh. <laughs> you know how to do this thing? Yeah, I know how to work IMDb, baby. I can look I it up real quick. <laughs> Her, I think she, I think she has the kind of gravity, because um, she she played her part like, wow, and that's just on television. Mm -hmm. I wish they give her some. Well, she's probably been on the big screen a thousand times, and I just haven't seen it. But yeah, just someone who can give a weight to that anger and that seething bitterness at losing her brother and not being able to save him. It's interesting because. In the first film, when you look at what Shuri's role was, she was <clears throat> she was cast for exactly who she is, I feel like. To where she's like the plucky sidekick, like smart mouth kind of yeah. uh, a little sister type. Yeah, I think that's right. And so now when she's essentially forced to put some bass in her voice, yeah. is what I'm just going to call it. Um <laughs> I feel like that's not a weapon that she has. And that's going to just have to be all right, because yeah. and it's just why, like, why well, change the actor out in the middle of the thing if she didn't do anything wrong? Exactly. Right? Well, yeah, I mean, she has her own controversies with being an anti-vaxxer and stuff. But, that's true. That's yeah. true. That's <laughs> so there was already calls to get rid of her to begin with. <laughs> uh, so without getting into that too much, my... Uh, the next thing that I had written down, and I'm not sure exactly, I'm get, I'm a little lost in the sauce and what comes where, but the thing that I, I wanted to make sure and highlight, which was probably my favorite scene of the film, has to be the bridge fight. Okay, that is way far. Let me, can I, can <laughs> so that's I, what I'm saying. I've only got, I've got one page of notes, but they're scattershot throughout. So you fill me in what, before we get to the bridge. Fill me in. Come on, Craig David. Fill <laughs> me in. All right. Um, so, yeah, at, the, at that campsite, that's when Namor mm -hmm. um, puts his, puts his um, not demands at this point, but his request for assistance from the queen. Um, and they're just ready to stab him because he got into Wakanda's borders and he... He didn't ask for permission. He got in through whatever, just for, through the water. And he wants them to 
bring the scientist that made the Wakan the vibranium machine that all them the reason why he killed all them people on that oil rig is because they were finding some vibranium in the ocean. Wait, a, like, so before we get into when we meet Riri and all that stuff, um, mm-hmm. what do you think? Do you think that this is supposed to be a two sided approach? Or do you think that it would have worked better if it were? Because I, I hear about how Namor is upset because people are about to find out where his idyllic city is. Uh, and yep. that and that threatens him. Yes. And that's what Wakanda's whole storyline is also. Yes. Right? Is leave us alone. Let us mm-hmm. be isolationists. Um you know, we'll help when we're needed to help, but just let us do us kind of a thing. Uh, but but one of the things that Namor was saying to Ramonda was, your king let everybody know where Wakanda was. Mm-hmm. So now you've brought this kind of attention on civilizations like ours. So you owe me the protection for my place. Give me that scientist. And it's also a bit of he needed some PR work because the killing of the people and then saying, I want to kill the scientist is probably not the way to get someone to do what you want. Right. To where that's why I'm like, Oh no, they're making a capital V villain out of him. Like he's just, he's being the villain. Um, Yeah. Killing all those people at the very beginning kind of showed us what, what side of the, of the coin he was, but then they tried to sell it. They tried to sell it. By showing us. That's what I'm, that's what I don't Uh think works is like, you can give me both – you can both sides it, which I don't like that term uh, for most things. But you can give me, like, where Namor is correct on things. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll be like, all right, fine. Just say, you know, bring me the scientist. And then since it's Marvel and it's PG, you can mm-hmm. assume that he's going to probably kill them. But it would sort of leave it a little less like I'm a twisting mustache villain <laughs> uh, if you were to say it that way. And like I get where he would be pissed because it's like, look, your your king brought this attention on everyone now, so you need you owe me, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, and it's, so it's like, okay, well, I guess I could see where that's not great for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like because they chose to make him the villain. I was, so that's where I was a little bit confused. Where I'm like, well, they're clearly parallels. Like Shuri has the moment late in the it late in the film where she's like, "Oh, we're just like them." And it's like, "Yeah, no shit, Shuri." Like, <laughs> like it was this from the beginning. <laughs> and uh, but I was kind of but I and so I was I was somewhat confused at the fact that they put put villain on and took villain off with the with the underwater uh, crew. Well, like I think. This is what I think why they went hard on Namor and Namor's villainy is because of the history in the comic book. And they may have been trying to cater to all the audiences. Well, of course they were. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> but um, us, us fanboys who have been reading the comics for these, oh, these many decades <laughs> know that Namor, when he had... Well, here we go. Are you ready? Buckle up. Yeah, here it is. I mean, we're verging into the FF, so 
<laughs> yeah, but no, not even. This, this, this isn't the FF. This is the X Men. Mm, okay, yeah, and, yeah. And my screen name is New Mutant on the Twitter, <laughs> which might not be Twitter tomorrow. Oh but, yeah, on uh, X. <laughs> but the when he got possessed by the Phoenix Force and became one of the Phoenix Five, I'm not entirely sure why he did this, but he went to Wakanda. And he flooded Wakanda. And he murdered at least a third of the population by drowning them. Mm-hmm. And that was, oh, I know, because it was Avengers versus X-Men. So Black Panther was an Avenger, and he and Namor was working on the side of the mutants, and Black Panther must have pissed somebody off in the... Whatever, and so that set up this rivalry since then between Black Panther and Namor. So that if ever Namor and Black Panther are in the same room, they're threatening each other, and maybe they might throw down, and it's just a whole big thing. So when they decided to make Namor the one of the characters in, in any um, Black Panther movie, they were going to go hard on a rivalry or a or an en- en- enmity mm-hmm. between the two characters, except um, Chad passed. Mm-hmm. And they had to work in all this replacement stuff and what to do with and how and when. And so they kept the villainy, but I think the, the, the strength of that rivalry is diluted by Shuri's uh, journey. Well, I think it is too because if it if it were Chadwick, or if there was a T'Challa character, it is we're parallels, we're the same. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm a young king, you're a young king, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Neymar would have probably gone right in T'Challa's face and said, "You're the one that put all this attention on Wakanda. You're the one that's got everybody looking for vibranium. Now they're gonna try to come for me." You're going to help me destroy this machine so they never find my my kingdom. You're going to do it. And Tao's going to be like, I will not do it. Right. And then <laughs> fight. Exactly. Exactly. And then and instead we have Shuri and Ramonda. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're – it's, it's just not the same sort of setup to where they're defensive and more passive and where he's more uh, attempting to bully – and to intimidate and and because of a later event that we'll just allude to at this moment um i felt like that was a big miss in terms of what it what the movie wanted me to feel emotionally again Mm. because of the fact that it wasn't a personal one-on-one sort of thing Mm -hmm. and we'll get to it we'll get that to that later but so yes that initial meeting um the threatening the we need to find this scientist what scientist cut yeah. to the young scientist who is yeah now and tell me about this I, character because i don't know this was this is beyond my reading okay. every single marvel thing okay and well, i know that this is bendis writing a young woman of color mm-hmm. when she was introduced i know that she had a series announced, but I have yet I haven't heard a single sentence about it. Oh yeah, if it's still going or what. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I don't know anything about her other than she apparently has an Iron Man suit. Yes, that she's created. So, 
it's um, her being a young genius girl f- from Chicago um, with a single mom because her father, uh, her 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 natural father is in the wind somewhere, but her stepfather who was raising her was gunned down with some gang violence. Not even gang violence. It was random violence in, in the park during a family day. So she was, you know, kind of melancholy and heartbroken, of course. And she also had another friend who was with her who also was uh, the victim of violence who died. And so she had a real tragic backstory, but she's a genius. And so she built this armor on her own with a bunch of scrap and whatever. Um, but she she hacked somehow, got into Stark's um data files and whatnot and everything and this and that and the other and was able to build an Iron Man like or at least Iron Man capable or quality suit and she was using it to kind of stop stuff going on in her in her part of the world and then Tony Stark got a got hold of, of the idea well at least the reports of it She's out here doing this with this armor and what's going on. And then he takes her under her wing or gives her a scholarship and a internship at MIT, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what and it was in the movie. Kind of, yeah. And then just kind of keeps tabs on her. But her character in the comic, as Bendis wrote her and then subsequent writers wrote her, was not what we saw in this movie. Oh, OK. She was she's a little bit more nerdy in the comics. She's not com- she's not comedy nerdy, but she's not she's not streetwise thug. I'm going to shake down my classmates for money mm-hmm. uh, on this project kind of hip like that. She's yeah, she's kind of closed off. She's kind of um, yeah, she's just kind of a nerd, but she's not ha ha nerd. She's uh, leave me alone. I'm I'm in my lab. Um, I don't want to do this. I, yeah, I'm, I, hus- I'm hustling for cash to do. Yeah, and when and then when she's taken over by, oh Eric, who are the people that make these things? Who are these? Who are all these people? Eve Ewing. Thank you. I remember that. Eve Ewing is a, a woman of color who was writing um, the Champions for a while, which brought Ironheart as a member of the of those of that teen group and then Eve Ewing was writing Ironheart itself and when she writes the characters she puts the bass in their voices uh. <laughs> <laughs> she does a lot of the dialoguing um natural that black people do and i always appreciate it when i read it because it's just so real mm. and her mother was more like the character we see in the movie than Riri herself was Okay. Uh, so this is a character I don't know anything about. And boy, did I have a struggle mm-hmm. because I kept, I kept trying to figure out like, what is, what is her character journey? Like, what is it that she's learning or how is she evolving throughout this movie? Because she is smart she builds uh, this Iron Man-like suit. She has the technology that is um, used to 
find vibranium. It's not mm-hmm. like she was specifically looking for that, right? Like she, it mm-hmm. was, it was taken from her and used in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never felt like she always looked up to Wakanda. Like she was kind of oh, no. surprised when Shuri and Okoye show up, right? Of course. Because the world knows who they are. Right. But And so she was kind of like, oh, shit, you know. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't sort of like, a, oh, I've always idolized Wakanda, or oh, I always wanted to go there, or oh, this, this, this. And yeah. so she kept showing up, and I was like, why is this character here? <laughs> because, yes, she's the thing that uh, Namor wants, but outside of that, I was like, she's she's not really a damsel, but she's also not really a fully-fledged character for me, and it's not her story, so what is it that she's doing here? And I was I was, uh, I was was having some struggle, I guess. And, so I, I, and I, I think, think the, only, the only thing that I wanted to say also about her was that mm-hmm. I felt like some of her dialogue felt like if I was trying to write a young woman of color, where I was like... <laughs> This doesn't sound right to me. Like it does. It didn't have. A, it didn't have a sense of authenticity, is the way that I would put it in my job. Yeah. And you might be right. <laughs> but I mean, it is Ryan Coogler and uh, Joe Robert Cole who wrote the film, which doesn't mean that they can write young black women properly. But I mean, it, it is uh, more likely to be correct than if I was doing it. But what I think, at times, it was. Like, let's put some street in her mm-hmm. for the sake of putting some street in a character in our movie, mm-hmm. which I'm not mad at that. I I think she was in the, the movie. Like, for instance, if the plot called for Namor to be pissed off at somebody making a vibranium machine and he wants to get that scientist and kill that scientist, and it forces Wakanda to protect that scientist, it could have been anybody. Mm-hmm. It could have been any anybody, anybody, anywhere. It could have been some it could have been somebody from India. It could have been some Asian person. It could have been an American. It could have been a white guy. It could have been a um anybody. But because Ryan Coogler <laughs> had the helm of this movie and Black Panther, the first movie, is such a sensation for us black folk who love to see it, then I'm sure they said, well, then let's get Riri up in here. Like, let's get another brilliant black woman because it's okay to have more than one brilliant black woman in a movie. We don't have to have one of everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there... It, actual life there are more than one black person in any given scenario so why not just reflect some real demographics and i was okay with that too but i was put off by the the alteration of her character by introducing her as someone who shook down a white boy for his money Mm -hmm. um because she because her work was better than his and he's paying for it and that was like, oh wow! So she's a thug. So this is what this is what we got. She's she's, she's a thug. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and then then there was the levity of some of her um, line deliveries, and that was maybe the function. Like she could have been, the scientist could have been a nerdy, nebbishy white guy, which that's traditionally what they do in the movies, right? the the egghead scientist who's awkward 
and is in trouble and the hero has to save him and he comes along with the quips like oh my gosh what are we doing ah do we run now oh this bullet's all over <laughs> always seems to be that character well this time it's a black girl who we also know from the comics and when when they snatched her and and re and wow shuri and riri when they snatched them both and had them underwater uh, Riri delivered a line that I thought was funny, and I've gone and forgotten that line too. Hmm. But it was it was like so so you wait till I get kidnapped until you do this thing. Oh right. right. So that was funny, and I and that was another purpose for her is to deliver the quippy lines. Well, what I was hoping out of this whole situation, and one of the things that I wrote that could uh, this is later, so this is like I said, it was scattershot with my thoughts, but I felt like. If they would have used Michaela Cole's character, who played uh, Aneka or Anika, Aneka, yeah. If but they it would is have used like Anika, yeah. If they would have used her as the scientist figure, oh, as this one who betrayed them, you know, mm-hmm. in in Namor's eyes and then in Shuri's eyes, you could have done a whole lot of work with someone that was already there. Mm, yeah. Because you could have, yeah. Because you have her established early on with the Koye, where she's wanting to use different uh, yeah. technologies. Yeah. She's wanting to push forward, not stay traditional. Yeah. And then she doesn't really have much to do at all in the rest of the movie. <laughs> true. She's Very like true. one of a supporting cast when Okoye gets her costume at the end, and and you're like, oh, Michaela Cole's got a costume too. Okay. But we were not going to see her in it very much. <laughs> it's, I was yeah. like, "What in the world? Why didn't you just use? Uh, why didn't you just use her?" So that's a good question. So now we're at the point for your for your notes because when they meet Riri, they are taken. They see the armor. They they see the machine, and then the feds come, and the feds they outrun the feds, and they wind up on this bridge, and then. Cut to your notes. Yeah, the bridge is wonderful. Is is the main thing that I wanted to reiterate is because we get a real sense of um, personal growth in these fights because we get to see Okoye, who we've known through various films, and and we know the the whole um, like the the competence level is is very high, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we see her square off with Atuma, mm-hmm. then we're like, oh shit, like this is a real, this is like a real fight that's going on for a while. And it reminded me a little bit of the Taskmaster Black Widow fight on that bridge. Okay. To where they just kind of let them go for a while. And it was like, no, we're not just going to show you like 20 seconds of this fight. We're going to just let them fight for a while. <laughs> and I was like, and this was good. After she, this was after she took down the. Um the the guards the npcs mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> um and so i liked the kind of idea of it being the two supporting characters to where they're both kind of the generals of the group right and they call mm-hmm. they keep calling each other warrior and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh and so i liked the idea of just letting them fight for a while and you have shuri that's basically wiped out and you have riri that's um down for the count Mm-hmm. And you have Namora, who they just kind of say, go over here and take care of the cops, <laughs> right? Which she does. Which she does. And man, she is, uh, that is a cold, mm-hmm. cold-faced cold woman right there. 
Yes, <laughs> that that was a character that had plenty of uh, plenty of stakes whenever she was around. Because I was like, mm-hmm. this this person is not screwing around. Right. Um, so I don't know. I just thought that that was really well done. I loved the the whole uh, the initial car crash and the, how they chose to slow down those specific moments and then um, you know speed them back up a little. Playing around with the it, it whenever they do stuff like that, it reminds me of the first uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man, where Willem Dafoe's uh, Green Goblin's punching him in the face, and they like slow it down to where uh, Tobey Maguire's face is getting smushed pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it just is like a throwback to what the panel would look like, and so it's sort of like a nod for me anyway to where it's like here's how the panel would look if you're reading this book. But here's sort of us ramping it back up to to normal normal speed afterwards. Mm. Um, so I really like that. But I just thought that that was a a really um, you know from from the notes that was the high point for sure up to that point. And then from that point going forward, where we had the kidnapping plot, and we have the pair of them, this mm. is where I again started getting somewhat confused again mm. because I was like, okay, so now we're now we're doing a kidnapping. Now we're doing a let me show you the world sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we're getting like this. Oh look, Namor and Shuri—they're going to start. Uh, they're going to start buying into each other's uh, thoughts about what makes their own country unique and mm-hmm. special and worth saving. And is it going to be the two of them teaming up against? the countries as a whole because they don't want to work together but these two leaders are saying you have to and i'm like oh they we got all these ideas and i was pleased that they didn't have them have any sort of romantic connection which i felt i felt like they were teetering on the brink of that Mm -hmm. um so i was glad that they pulled back on that with their with their connection that was building Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's where i was kind of like well what but wait a minute what story are we telling because mm-hmm. that's when we started getting into Namor's backstory, mm-hmm. and we saw the scenes, which I thought this it was it was weird because I was like the scenes look great, is what I wrote down. I was like, but mm-hmm. I don't know if they need to be in this movie, mm-hmm. because this isn't the movie. This isn't the story that we're telling. Like we're we're telling the story of Shuri and how mm-hmm. she's trying to adapt and how she's trying to manage. Well, then now you're giving all this story to the to our villain that we're supposed to not really like. And now we're kind of like, Oh, I don't know. I guess he's all right. I guess he's got a good point. And that it's sort of, and it's is, like yeah. softening like, the villain a little bit. Yes. And I I'm kind of like, the, that was the intent. Wasn't it to now get behind the scenes of who this villain is and why the villain is doing what they're doing. And then maybe we should buy into what the villain is doing. Actually. We, Yes. That's, even after, after even after the killings, mm-hmm. and the so that's brutal, where, that's my struggle, slaves. right? That's my struggle because you have his idealism, but then his actual foot soldiers with Atuma and Namora <laughs> don't seem to have his same ideals because they're just kind of like you know blunt instruments mm-hmm. to where they're like, oh, we got to go kill somebody dead. Like we'll just... for, and for one, I always I was thinking until they said her name that she was Lady Dorma. I didn't think she was Namora hmm. because in the comics, Namora is Namor's cousin. Uh huh. And is younger and is more idealistic and is more twentieth um, century kind of girl. Mm-hmm. With the blonde. 
with the blonde hair and the white <laughs> yeah. skin. Uh-huh. Or with, also, did you notice that their skin was white underwater but blue out of the water? Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. So uh, I, they're not white skin, but they're Indian skin, I guess. Mm-hmm. Aztec skin, Mayan skin. Yeah. Latin, Latinx, Latinx. White. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, then they said her name, and then I was like, oh, okay. So is she his cousin, I guess, maybe? Mm-hmm. Still his cousin. So, yeah, I put the, boy, I didn't need Namor's history or his connection with Sharice News, I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> then let us, this is where we get the um, fact that his name is Namor because it's no love. Mm. Which is the, I guess, the way you say it in Spanish. Namor is no love. And apostrophe amor. Huh. So isn't that clever? That is clever. Is that right? I mean, the movie said it's right, so <laughs> a billion people who speak Spanish are going to either burn Ryan Coogler's house down or <laughs> agree that, oh, yeah, we've been saying this forever. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm trying no to more. draw I'm trying to draw back on my uh, Spanish that I took. <laughs> Years no and years ago. Huh. No love. No love. I guess. I mean, I guess. Huh. Anyways. No anyways. So we go from. This <laughs> no is, love, Eric. This, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the uh, this is the section that I struggled with, though, because we had the, the thing that I already said about getting the backstory. But then we also get uh, more of Ross's stuff. And I felt like this, the history with Namor and then. Ross's storyline were close enough to where I'm like, man, now Ross's storyline, this is boring as shit. Oh, no. <laughs> but he was he was the he was the cog in the wheel that provided Allegra Valentina de Allegra de Fontaine mm-hmm. the information that there is a third party and it isn't all Wakanda causing all these aggressions against the scientist Riri Williams uh, because she planted those um, kimoyo beads on the bridge that Ross found and was communicating with Romanda all along, and she was listening to it. Allegra was listening to it all along, but playing Ross, pretending like she was talking about their old times and the fact that they were married, and it's like, oh, look, some soap opera element and some comic book element. Not that Agent Ross and Allegro DeFontaine, whatever, was ever married in the comics. They were not. She was Nick Fury's lover. She was white Nick Fury's lover mm. back in the day. Uh, Agent Ross is a whole different character from, from any of that, but they linked them in this, in this thing. And so evidently when they have Allegra put together the, the Thunderbolts, Agent Ross is going to be a part of it, and that's why he's in this movie, I think. It must be. It must be. So this is where we get the part where I was I was writing the question, and I was like, wait a minute, the movie knows that Riri's capture in both places is the same, right? Because this is when we get Nakia introduced. Mm-hmm. This is when we get their rescue, but then she's she's like friendly trapped in Wakanda, as opposed to being unfriendly trapped down with Namor. Riri is that she can't leave Wakanda. Well, yeah, she can't leave Wakanda, but she was also she's like, well, 
she's she she has the same purpose no matter where her location is is what i was getting at is being trapped yeah she's trapped no matter where she goes well i mean you know she um but it's okay because we're this is the friend group this is the friend group <laughs> they're, they're going to protect her it's going to be okay and so then i was they're waiting protecting her from namor i was waiting for namor then to come up and say look can't you see that she's trapped here by you now like, I had her underwater, which you didn't like, and now you're keeping her from the rest of the world also. You know, I was waiting for some sort of, like, both sides to come up. If that was going to be the thing that they were going to talk about, was it going to be... It was going to be about how, you know, being on both sides is a bad thing. You have to pick a side kind of a situation. Like, oh. if that's what the movie was going to talk about. Oh, did but it, it didn't do it. For it you. didn't, because, again, I was like, well, wait a minute. Ultimately, this is Shuri's movie. So what are we doing? <laughs> So here's the thing, because I remember you. The question that you ask, you have asked before. Mm -hmm. What is this movie about? <laughs> That's my main thing when I come into most movies. So here's the thing that you have. I think will serve you better when you watch these, if you factor in the the following. It's a Marvel movie, <laughs> mm -hmm. and they're trying to build a whole universe again, or a, a re, rebuild another universe. And so they're going to keep putting in a bunch of elements in their movies that tie to other movies and also the comics themselves. They're, going, they're trying to reproduce the spirit of comics themselves, which is crossovers and uh, team-ups and... All sorts of kind of other characters that come in and maybe get killed and just all sorts of in and out of um, this whole merry-go-round, this whole kaleidoscope of um, the way characters talk to other characters and, and build a continuity in the in their comic book world is what I think they're doing in these movies. So the, the, I think in all the MCU movies you're going to watch – you're going to have storylines that just don't need to be there, and you're going to have um, things that just seem weird and placed for no reason. Well, what that feels like to me is that feels like insecurity about what you're doing, because that feels like it's overstuffing material. And instead, because when we were first starting out in the whole golden age of the MCU, right, like... Yeah. What we were doing was we were just getting it in drips and drabs, and you're kind of like, oh, shit, is that actually Hawkeye? Yeah. It's a guy that's got a bow and arrow, you know, and that kind of stuff. And they called him Clint. And they call, That's right. No, and so, no, they called him Barton. They called him Barton. Right. You're right. And so then you got to talk about speculation of things. Yeah. Instead of it just being like, here it is. Here it is, everyone. Like, okay, yeah, Ever Ross, got it. I bet he's going to be important later. Neat. You know, instead of instead of being like cameos, instead of being like, you know, you see Okoye and she happens to go by a place that Ross is and she looks at him and says colonizer. And then she she ends up saving him later and she has the wonderful colonizer line again, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing a colonizer in, in chains. In chains. Um, and so instead of having that be the extent of his purpose... And then you understand that they're going to show up again in another, maybe more important uh, moment in the next time you see them both. And you build it that way. Instead, we get all of this business to where it's like, oh, I planted this and you didn't realize the beads were doing this thing. And it's like, 
Okay, because Riri didn't need to be there earlier, like I said, with Michaela Cole's character. So it's like, oh my, oh my gosh, like, do we need all of this? Do we need it all? And I get it's like you got to put Dominic Thorne in there because they have this Lionheart or Ironheart show uh, that's coming up, so you got to introduce her at some point, you know, and that kind of thing. It just seems like I feel like the connectivity and the world building is sacrificing the stories that are being told. And that is it's valid for the the purest in you, Eric. And <laughs> that's I right, honor that. That's I, that's what I wanted I want to hear. I just want it to be like a stripped down tale and then you can give me pieces of the MCU as a whole instead of so much of it. That would probably be better designed if it were a series, right? Like if it were more of a series and you could have like six one-hour shows and and some shows were dedicated to Shuri's story and Mm -hmm. some shows would be dedicated to Riri's, um, the pursuit of Riri. Mm -hmm. And and another storyline that you you alluded to, how Michaela Cole kind of got shunted off like that – She's playing Anika, Aneka. Um, in the comics, she is in a relationship with another one of the um, Dora Milaje. Yeah, with uh, this Ao character. Ao. She's, she's in a relationship in this at the end because she kisses at her the head. End. Yeah. Exactly that that mm-hmm. part. Okay. And so they wanted to put that in the movie too, evidently. Mm-hmm. Right. So they really dropped all these elements in there because the Midnight Angels, that armor that is blue and that Okoye eventually wears, that wasn't Okoye in the comics. That is... Say her name again? Michaela Cole? No, the other one. Oh, uh, Ao from Florence Kasumba is who the the actress is. It was Ao and Anika were the Midnight Angels. Ah, okay. And um, those armors in this movie looked exactly like they do in the comics, and I loved it. So I thought, that yes. the, I thought the armors looked cool. I didn't love that Okoye was, like, dogging on them. Mm, yeah. I feel like that's such a, such a problem that the movie industry has with the costumes. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel like more often than not, there's some commentary about, oh, look how dumb this looks. Yeah. I'm like, like yeah. I don't like that at all. I feel like that's somewhat insulting to the original designs. They started it with um, 2000's X-Men and having Hugh Jackman. Better than the other spandex. Yeah. And so they've been doing that ever since. It's like, shut up. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for that yellow spandex, you wouldn't be having this movie right now. Well, then Zack Snyder's Man of Steel doesn't doesn't say Superman because you're embarrassed to say the flippin' word. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a symbol. It stands for hope. The fuck it does. It's Superman, bro. That's what it's called. Tell him. And get those red, and get those red trunks on this man That's right, right now. Put them on him. Put them on him. Put them on this uh, Henry Cavill light that you cast, James Gunn. This this <laughs> this young man that looks almost identical to Henry Cavill that you cast as the new Superman. Oh, there's casting news out there? Yeah, he's, it, the guy that got cast looks just like him. Like, exactly like him. <laughs> well, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. You know why don't I you don't be looking. Know. Because well, you don't look at that sort of stuff. Nope. Especially DC stuff. Come on. Well, I, I, I saw The Flash. Oh, did you? I sure did. Ooh, couldn't be me. 
This isn't a Flash podcast. <laughs> Couldn't be me. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, so I jumped from this point mm-hmm. when we were talking about the re-recapture. My next oh, note... Wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me just put this in real quick. Uh-huh. Namor said he's a mutant. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Because the... the uh, Nick Reganis, my man, that does the plot synopsis, he mentioned that Namor is a mutant as well. Yeah. In the summary. But, but he my next. put that in there if, if Namor hadn't said himself, that's, I'm a mutant. That's correct. Like, oh, shit. Well, that's why they were He's kind of. Mutant. That's why they're trying to explain away, like, the, the wings and the 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 skin tone, maybe. But, I mean, that's that's it, though. It's true. I yeah. mean, that's. Well, and he's strong as shit. And he's strong as shit, too. Um, but anyway, so the the next thing that I have, so I'm sure that you've got uh, thoughts or notes in between these in between these pieces, is not until um, Namor finally floods and then attacks Wakanda. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my next piece, and I think what I what I thought was interesting about this, it and it only came up after the fact, was so we have this establishment of the threat. Right, or this is where we get like full on Namor. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, no Imperius Rex is what I put, question mark, <laughs> right? Because I'm watching it as I'm going. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and I was like, this, di- this guy isn't like enough of a dick yet, is kind of <laughs> what I was thinking, because that's always what I think of Namor, right? Especially with Sue. Keep your hands off her. Um, uh, yes. And, uh, but it's at this point where M'Baku, I thought, was going to be killed. Mm, because yeah. they take such a long time showing how devastated he is by this punch mm-hmm. and how it just rips apart his armor, right? Mm-hmm. And so then after I was done with the film, I returned back to this moment and I put, wait a minute, so M'Baku gets taken out, but he's not vengeance-seeking at all. Like, he's not at that final battle wanting Namor or mm-hmm. trying to like reestablish his pride, which is that's what that entire character is based around is his pride. Truly. And so I'm like, well, where's where's Winston Duke's time? <laughs> like, yeah. come on, Winston Duke, because that man is having a wonderful time playing in Baku. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. With his hoots and with his his uh his sort of like he's like very uh, as you can tell by the decor in his his cave, he's very uh, ape like in his demeanor. In fact, he is the character that they called Man Ape in the comics. Ah, uh, okay. Well, there you go. Look at that. You dropping that nugget in. <laughs> so, so good for everyone involved because that's definitely his uh, physicality that well, he's using. There was a bit of a, a arc for him because when he first enters the movie, he's telling the council to kill Namor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because Namor made the already made the um, threat, and they're saying he made the. He, well, let me see how I put it. He's saying Namor is go- – if we give Namor what he wants, if we give him the scientist, what's to say that after he gets the scientist and kills the scientist that he won't come back and ask for something else? So instead of giving him what he wants, let's find him and kill him. That was, that was right. his first thing. And the, just the pieces that I liked, which I think were Ryan Coogler's and maybe the actors and just kind of the blackness of it all, is that – when he comes into the room and Queen Armanda is there and the council is there and he's huffing and puffing, he says to, uh, well, Okoye, Okoye is telling him 
you know, she's kind of trash talking him with your fuzzy this and this and that. Mm. And she he calls her a bald headed demon. <laughs> and then the queen just points at him and says to for him to go sit down. <laughs> she just points. And and can I tell you how many aunties at how many cookouts have had to point the little knucklehead acting up, mm. acting a fool in the middle of all this to go sit down somewhere without having to say a word. She did that. And I'm like, you know what? This is black people. <laughs> black so that, people did this. So that was a nice, authentic Yes. And very specific trait right there. Yes, and I appreciated that. And so I just wanted to throw that in because you you're bringing him up. Sure, I just felt like it would have been a like a poignant thing where he's refusing to just kind of go. Well, not refusing, but he's disappointed that he's not taking the lead at going after Namor after what? Yeah, he did. Yeah, because yeah, because his other arc is after violence, I guess. Now he's intimidated by Namor, and he's saying we can't, we shouldn't do this. Well, and, yeah, and that's the other thing you could have done is Shuri could have said, "Look, I need you to go do this," and he could have been like, uh, "I mean, I, I, I will, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of good. I don't know if I need to." And then yeah. that could have been a thing where, you know, wait a minute, he's supposed to be the the baddest of all of us, and he doesn't want to do it. So then Shuri decides. Well, maybe I better get this whole uh, heart-shaped herb situation yeah. figured out. Now, you know, it, it just now, feels like there. I guess this is this is just my general frustration with the film. Is it feels mm-hmm. like there's plenty of other avenues that would have been more story satisfying for them mm-hmm. to go down. Yeah, but now it does get into the whole MacGuffin of it all because that whole captivity thing gave Shuri the access to that bracelet. Mm-hmm. That was created by Namor's mother mm-hmm. from the plants that were grown out of the rock or the ocean near the vibranium stuff. Mm-hmm. It was something that was close enough to where she could do the thing. <laughs> yeah. So before even that, the reason why Namor's people and Namor himself can breathe the water is because of in his origin they were being threatened by smallpox and they were dying and dude one of the dudes of the tribe had gotten a vision said go swim down in this ocean and you'll find something that you can use to save your people he found it it was a little chunk of vibranium i'm gathering right Mm -hmm. and he brings it back up and he buries it Mm-hmm. I think. And then the plants that grew up around it had the property to transform the people. It knocked them out, and then they woke up needing to breathe. Not breathe, but they couldn't breathe the oxygen anymore. So they went into the water, and their skin absorbed the oxygen in the water, and then they lived. And they turned blue when they were out of the water. So they kept going into the water. And because of that origin, I thought, oh, my God, how miserable is this? Because they were on the land, they lived in a place with a big blue sky and plants that are bright green and (laughs) fruit that grew on the trees and everything. And now they have to live in this murky-ass, dark fucking water 
And I'm thinking, that's not a good trade-off. That's, right. that's scary as hell. I would hate, I'd just die. Well, that's when I'd you... Like, just leave me here. That's where I wanted him to be even more bitter. Yeah. You know, it's just like anyone that, anyone from the, from the above that comes down, he's like, just itching for a reason to go to war, basically. Because it's, I, but they, they, the movie kind of makes it seem like they went to a paradise. Mm-hmm. And I mean, okay, you know, we're adaptable. We, if we have to go somewhere and we have to live there, we'll make the best of it. But looking from the outside in, I, I don't like underwater stuff. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like okay. it. It's dark and things can just come out of nowhere and gobble you up. There's all kinds of crazy like looking it. stuff that you can't even get a full view of. Right? I don't like it. It's too terrifying to me. But so one of those plants, Namor's mother made a bracelet out of one of those plants Mm -hmm. thousands of years ago, however many years ago that Namor's been alive. And so Namor gives it to Shuri. Yeah, just because we're friends now. We're friends. (laughs) Trying to talk her into allying with him, I guess. And And see, that's, that's where I needed Atuma or Namora to be like, to give him, the, you couldn't see what I was doing. To give him the uh, some side eye or some like, yeah. whoa, what are you doing? Yeah, are you crazy? Yeah, you because gave her your mother's thing. That's where I needed like a. These two leaders are trying everything to avoid war, but it feels inevitable that they're going to have to have a conflict. And because that plant had exposure to the vibranium back then, it had the DNA strands that gave her the ability to recreate the herb-shaped plant that she couldn't do when her brother was dying. Mm-hmm. That's why I said all of that. <laughs> sure, that's right. And then that gives her the access to, um, you know, to ingest the herb with Nakia there and with, isn't it Okoye or is it Riri? That's, it's Riri. That's what Riri we're... is there and um, Nakia is there. Right. And uh, but this, But one of the things that we've skipped over, though, is during this attack and during the flooding of a lot of Wakanda, mm-hmm. um, we have the moment where uh, Namor finally approaches Queen Ramonda, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he, we have this moment where he throws the spear against the wall, against the uh, glass, and I felt like that was going to be the end of it based on sort of what I was expecting of the scene mm. because it was sort of like a sign of I can come here whenever I want. And it was just sort mm. of like a message is what I was thinking was going to happen. Right. Mm. And instead it turns into this action set piece where then we have, uh, Angela Bassett having to, to save Riri. Mm-hmm. And I was like, now what is this shit? <laughs> because <laughs> the intention is clear the implication for the rest of the script is clear like the way that it impacts shuri is is pretty obvious um but i felt like ramonda she could have had a more of an arc before like i wanted like an extra moment a lot of the time for a film that's two hours and 45 minutes Mm. because i wanted her to to sort of have a moment where she knows if i go down there i'm probably dying but Mm. I need. I have to save this girl because it's going to be better for Wakanda to keep a peace by saving this girl, as opposed to me being alive. 
Mm. Right? Like, I needed to know, I needed to know that what she was doing when she was going to save her, as opposed to a <laughs> reflex. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah. as she reflexes and, and saves her, then we get Shuri comes in and, you know, she's obviously very upset. And I'm kind of like, well, but wait, she's just going to have, they're just going to have her die like that? Yeah, right. And then I was like, oh, shit, she actually is dead? Yeah, right. I was right. like, huh. And they were huh. trying to revive them both because Shuri was all, I mean, Riri was also just knocked out from, they dragged them both out of the water. Mm-hmm. But th- that was a payoff of the scene where Ramonda met Namor on the shore mm-hmm. on purpose because she sent Nakia to go save her daughter, go get her daughter. And Riri, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if Ramonda <laughs> cared too much about Riri. Well, that's, that what, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, she didn't care really about her that much, but then she does sacrifice herself for her. So I was like, well, wait a minute. But when she was on the on the shore talking to Namor, she was doing it to delay and to um, to divert Namor's attention while Nakia was saving her daughter. Mm-hmm. So when she did that, she was gambling at that moment, and Namor told her, right? Namor stood like even leaned in on the queen, and I'm like, you better back up. <laughs> but he leaned in on the queen and said, if if X Y and Z happens, I will kill you. And that was my favorite Namor moment because I was like, ooh, this is some Namor shit right here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so he did, though, mm-hmm. right? He didn't just stick the javelin in the, the window. Mm-hmm. He followed through with his promise, not a threat, a promise that he was going to kill her. And because she had tricked him and, and got her daughter back and all that stuff, he said, well, I'm going into Wakanda and I'm going to fuck shit up and I'm going to kill this woman. Mm-hmm. Now, just, I it, don't think that any of that is justifiable, and I do not support that action, and mm-hmm. I think he's a villain. Mm-hmm. But story-wise, they, he, he, he came to pass. It is one of those things to where it's like he was very much a villain that uh, that ties the victim to the railroad tracks and then leaves kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> to where I'm like, wait a minute. So you just like, yeah, there's water, but she only dies because she goes down to save Riri. Like, otherwise she would have been fine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And so, and and he's, by the way, by then he's, he's fucked off. So it's like, well, (laughs) I don't know. It would have been one of those things to where if you see, since I'm all about the emotional cruelty in these difficult scenes, right? I was (laughs) like, oh, twist the knife a little more. Like, make me hurt a little bit more. (laughs) Because that's what it's expecting the characters to do, but as the audience, it, it makes me feel a little bit removed, where I'm like, okay, she died like that. Wow, that's that's crazy. As opposed mm. to, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to really feeling it like like your characters are. Like uh, if he would have if he would have crashed through the window and grabbed the queen and took her down into the water. Mm-hmm. Or if like he. She died. Or if he. Um, throws Riri down that pit or whatever and knows that one of them are dying, mm. you know, and he yeah. has, and he makes uh, Ramonda choose whether she's just going to sit and watch Riri die or, well, or else she's going to go down there and try to save her. Yeah. It's just one is one of those things where it's like, and if Shuri would have been there after this, like somewhat of a connection that the pair of them had, to then see his true version to where she witnesses Ramonda being put in this choice, mm. in, in this Sophie's choice sort of a situation, to where 
then it would have been like, oh no, fuck this guy, and now I'm going to get him. Yeah. Give me the and herb. That, Give me some Killmonger influence, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because that's, that again is where I think the gravity of the actor failed us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the viewer, to, to make that turn. Because when she was down there with Namor, she was her character. I felt like she was appropriate in everything, like she was filled with wonder. Yes. And she wanted to see the city. And she was enchanted by what she saw and she and the people. And she listened to Namor's story. And she felt some kinship. That was Shuri, for sure. But now this vengeance creature who wants to just kill Namor, I understand that, but I didn't get enough of it until what you're talking about, that scene with Mbaku about no we're doing this we're going right. to go kill him yeah and that's where they that's where it's like a, it's a subtle makeup and hair design shift at that point too to where she's much more sleek uh, when she's corn with them she got cornrows in their hair yeah, well and she looks she looks more like no I'm ready to I'm ready to beat somebody's ass as opposed <laughs> to just like oh let's discover some science stuff yeah as she normally is you know um, but yeah, so that, so that moment was another one to where I was kind of like, okay, I see what the movie is doing, but man, I wish I was more on board with what it's telling me. Nakia uh, warns her not to go for vengeance. And she said, Nakia tells her, Nakia asks her after she got the, the heart shake herb and she saw some ancestor, she came out of it telling everybody that she didn't see anybody. Uh, yeah. She refuses to say who she saw, right? But who did she see, Eric? Well, she saw my guy. <laughs> she saw my guy Killmonger and Michael B. Jordan. And what was so wonderful about that was that it was a thing where I was like, oh, see, this is this is how you play self-confident verging on overconfident. Mm. Because when he's on the screen, it's like, no, I know what's best. You do this. No, 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 no. <laughs> you don't think this. You think this. Is the way that is just the way that he carries himself in that character to where I'm like, I I believe it. I believe it. Like everything that he <laughs> says, I believe that he believes what he's saying. Uh-huh. Right. And yeah. and so I'm kind of like, oh, OK, so now I understand what the movie is about. It's about her choice between being able to overcome her grief or buying into his idea of vengeance. And mm. which one is she going to be? Mm. But mm. I'm like at like. Over 90 minutes in, I don't know if that's when I should be understanding what the movie is. At over 90 minutes into the movie. So do you think that it was direction for her not to lean into that vengeance thing until this scene? Then maybe I'm thinking she didn't deliver, but maybe director said don't deliver until this scene? You know, I think that's that's a probably a generous interpretation because I I think maybe she's just good at what she did in the first film. Okay. Uh, and I think yeah. that maybe she's just not able to put the bass in her voice. Yeah. Or look threatening, especially because like when you when when she becomes Black Panther and uh you see her in some of the scenes you're like, "Man, she's a little thing." Yeah. You know, and it's like it's like you're they're do everyone's doing their best to make it look as as authentic as it, as they can or as threatening as she can, but it's like she is just like a wisp of a woman. Thin, she's yeah. thin, thin gal. Yeah. She was good. So, yeah, cuz one of the the takeaways from the first movie is what are those, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So the way she <laughs> plays with her brother and and her quippy, cute little things, yeah. But here she needed to she needed to be become this angry creature that took this herb to to take vengeance on the, the the man who brought so much grief to Wakanda and she got it in one scene one of those scenes but not all of the scenes mm-hmm. and it's interesting too because I feel like the supporting cast with either Nakia or Okoye both of them are able to show oh, yes. different shades right and you believe Absolutely. you believe when they're gonna when they're about to whoop your ass you're like ooh. Every uh-oh, single uh-oh. time. Every single time. <laughs> right. As a matter of fact, what about the scene when, dialing back some, when after Shuri and Riri gets kidnapped and Nakoya comes to give the report and Ramonda fires her? Mm, yeah, strips her from her title and everything. Yes, how about that? Like, that was Ramonda's grief was there. Oh, yes. Full in effect. And Okoye's loss of... I lost them. I want to get them back. But now I'm losing my whole title and position and everything. Like I'm losing everything right now. Yeah. Oh, it was so powerful. Yeah, because Ramonda was sort of like, she was using Okoye as a scapegoat there, right? Like she's like, I'm pissed. I told you not to do these things because it didn't work out. Now you're fired. Because in a lot of these sort of movies, it's like, I told you not to do do these things. It worked out. So I guess we're good. You know, that's how yeah. it usually works out. Yeah. Um, but here, it's sort of like, I'm taking out all of my frustration on you and stripping you from all of this stuff. I and... mean, but she had she had frustration all the way back from Civil War, though, my, my Oh, for dude. sure. Like, she lost her husband, <laughs> right? Her husband died, first of all, in Civil War. Mm-hmm. And then T'Challa dies at the beginning of this movie. And then her daughter gets snatched into a murky, dark-ass, underwater, who knows what. She's lost her entire family at this point. And Okoye is coming back like, let me get a this, let me do a that, let me go ahead and... <laughs> Give me another try. I'm good. Like, you know, she, I, I, she, I'm sure she would have said something that I can't say because I'm not a girl. <laughs> I'm not a black woman. Mm. Black women can say it much better to each, each other than, I'm going, than I could say it. But it starts with a B and it rhymes with witch. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I know you didn't just know we're not doing this anymore. Get get out. Go home. You are not the general anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm finished. I've but, lost everything. And then, oh, yeah, and only Angela Bassett can say those sorts of things, right? Like the way that she uses her entire face to say yes. some of these lines. But she goes through all of that stuff and then her uh physical conclusion in the living world of the story is to have her head down in the water and i was like uh that is somewhat anticlimactic yeah i was like you could i needed some sort of like you can't give me like a um um that's where i wanted like a decision to be made right like some sort of like a I will go save this girl because it's going to save everyone. Like I needed something on her face. Yeah. As opposed to just seeing her underwater in like a real wide frame shot and then like have her face down in the water. I was like, Oh, what? So that's why I didn't even believe that she was dead for a minute. No, I hear you. And I'm, and I do not disagree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what, uh, so we're, we're sort of leading toward the, the final 
big moment. What else did you have? Because my last stuff is all after the film. Because I had a lot of notes for me. Um, and then it was all looking back on the film afterwards. Because once we got toward that last half hour, I was just watching. I wasn't uh, Same. taking notes. <laughs> my, my, the last thing I have is, so Black Panther returns to the elders up in the Jabari lands. They bless her. She has a mission for M'Baku to get and kill Namor. M'Baku thinks better of it, but Shuri is bitter and driven. Back and forth with this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back and forth with Shuri. Mm-hmm. She's bitter and driven. She's 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 making footsie with Namor. Now <laughs> she wants to kill him. Nakia warns Shuri not to go to war for vengeance, but Shuri says, I'm already there. And that's where my, my notes stop, because I know they're going into battle, and everybody's fighting everybody. The the blue the midnight angels are in it. The Dora Malaji is in it. The the um, the Jabari are in it. They're fighting the the blue people. Um, they get their moments. They do this, and Shuri is fighting Namor in near this big boat, and then on the land, and mm-hmm. then um, they dry him out and <laughs> they weaken him, and he's like three feet from the water, and he still can't seem to get there. Um, for whatever reason, and right. if he would have just dipped a toe. In well, the, and, and it's like the desert and the sand. Uh, she's like, throw, get me to the desert. And I was like, well, you mean the beach? <laughs> because yeah. that was the beach. Because <laughs> all that water. Like, <laughs> come on, go a little further inland so that you really have a chance. Because well, I was like, yeah, wait a minute. What? Like, how much water does Namor need? Because that sand's going to be wet. You know, yeah, whatever. He still couldn't even get to the wet sand. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there we have it. But, but w- uh, when we, when we get to that moment where Nikia says, "Don't you know? Don't go to war over vengeance." Mm-hmm. That's one of the reason. That's one of the moments to where performance wise, I would have loved to see like a dropped head and then just a look. So that way the audience knows, oh, she's already there, as opposed to yeah. saying, "Hey, I'm already there." Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm. Yeah, that's Same. what I'm saying. I didn't get it from the actor. Get me in that GD director's chair. Director's chair, Alan. After the strike, though. Well, yeah, after the strike. Well, the directors Not aren't on strike; just everyone else. Oh, okay. The nobody ones, else. They have the ones nobody that made. Yeah, they, they made this shitty deal, and nobody's there to write or uh, <laughs> to write or act in there. In Don't it. you cross that picket line? Yeah. Don't look at me. <laughs> don't look at me um so yeah the 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 thing that i wanted to say about this three-way battle Four is way. well we get mostly atuma and okoye and then we get the the boat as a whole but mostly riri and namora yep and then we have the main fight but so what i wrote down about that is is i think that that's a good idea but that it also implies that we're supposed to care and be and as invested in each of these different fights because well, they're given not. because that no I wasn't because like Okoye and Atuma that was that was fine like I thought that that was good with the return and she's you know kind of like leveled up so to speak and um, so it's them and her trying to get her vengeance on this as in her new form perfectly fine. The Namora stuff, like, I didn't know Namora from, you know, someone stranger walking down the road because I didn't know anything about her other than she seems to be really good at her job. And then she's she fighting. She kills cops. Yeah, she kills cops and she's good at blowing everything up. Um, and then we have Riri, who, like I was saying, like, I didn't connect to this character 
as much as I would have liked to, as much as the movie's asking me to, because she's doing stuff like it's in it. And I get that it's movie dialogue and some of it's comic book dialogue too, but it's like, uh, you know, she's, I could sure use that backup. <laughs> like she says, like in the last second, as opposed to saying like, yo, I'm about to fight Namor. Somebody bring the backup in just in case, <laughs> you know, she like only calls for it when she's in desperate need. And, it, and it's just like the way that the, the different fights are choreographed to where you only have the boosters right when she's near the water. And it's like, why do you give me the same stuff over and over? (laughs) Um, But I thought that, uh, yeah, I thought that that little fight with her and Namora wasn't uh, as satisfying because I didn't know what the two of them had related at all, other than they're the, they're the second supporting characters pairing off against each other. Right. There was no like, interpersonal thing between the two of them. And then that's when I was like, man, Mbaku is just kind of stuck on the boat. Like he's just kind of like fighting the, the NPCs as you would say. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I guess. And then you get, you get one little moment of Nakia throwing her, uh, her like Tron like things around. Um, she's throwing those Tron discs around. Yeah. Yeah. That's her signature stuff. Yeah. So she's throwing that a little bit. And then, Meanwhile, you have this fight between Shuri and Namor, which I thought was really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I liked that it was it was actually being vicious mm-hmm. to where it was showing her cutting one of the wings. Right. Yeah. And it was showing her like digging into his shoulder, which I was like, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> like, <laughs> ouch. Um, and then we. I don't know. We always feel the need to sort of stretch the believability of things to where she's got this entire spear through her gut. Yeah. And then I looked that up and I was like, oh, because of the Black Panther's technology, it it closed so quickly and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, OK. Well, um, no, that that I buy because okay. that, that 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 suit itself is kind of like nan- nanotech, uh-huh. like all the Black Panther suits when Killmonger wore his it was nanotech. Okay. You know, they just, they jump into that thing and then the face just crawls up over their face and now, now it's a, a helmet. Mm-hmm. But it, so, but, but, it, but it also heals her skin and organs underneath. Oh, no, 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 no. It just kept them all in. Okay. Like she still <laughs> okay. had a hole in her gut, but then again, she has the herb in her, right? Right. She yeah, has super right. strength now and all that stuff. Right. Okay. But that was one of the moments where I'm like, you know, you couldn't I feel like it's it's the difference for me is in a similar in a similar shot is in the first the end of the first Lord of the Rings movie. To where the difference is is the villain gets stuck like that as opposed to the hero. Mm. And then part of the part of the appeal is they're stuck and you're like, oh yeah, they got him. And then the villain reaches farther and like pulls it into himself even more mm. to like get closer to your hero character before he's mm. ultimately killed. Mm-hmm. And so that was like done more slowly. And the sound was sort of amplified to where I was like, Oh no, like it, <laughs> this is in this unstoppable, unstoppable force sort of a situation to where here, Shuri's kind of like, Oh, let me break this and looks down at it. And then it's kind of like, yeah, I guess I'll just slide out. <laughs> I'm like, slide out. What do you mean? It's not like, it's not like this is just some like slippery thing that's barely got you. Like that is going through your entire body, ma'am. Yep. And she, she, she shuried up 
<laughs> and slid off of it. That's right. And, and then, then, the, then you can hear the little tick, 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 tick of the armor of the of the suit closing in the front and the back. Right. So it, the, it, it kept her like pressure on those wounds. Sure. And and meant like a seal, I suppose, to keep her guts from just spilling out. I guess that's correct. Yeah. Uh, and then we have, of course, her essentially just chasing him down before he's able to get there, before he's able to get to the water. Uh, yeah, she when flips he, when over she him was and all on that. that thing. Uh-huh. When she was on that spear, before she ever broke it, his ass should have been in that water. Mm-hmm. Now that's I can't deny. She, he had plenty of time to crawl if he had to crawl. Like it, your life depended on it, because duh, your life depends on it. The water's right there, bro. That's what I'm saying. That's when it, that's when you give me the cross cutting between Shuri and between Namor, and he's like struggling his way to get closer to where he's like punch drunk, basically, right? Mm. Because of this fight, and then she's like trying to get herself off of the spear, but it mm. it freaking hurts, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And then mm-hmm. she finally is able to, and then he's still making his way, and she has to hurry and chase him. Like that would give that moment a lot more tension, yeah, than what we currently had. Yeah, with just her alone, just get breaking it and sliding. And then off. she then she looks at him, and he's still just kind of moseying his way to the water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, well, he's not in that much of a hurry, I guess. <laughs> they did do a I mean, good that, job of the makeup, though, because he looked he did look r- pretty rough, right? Even before the Imperius Rex thing. Yeah, I think it had to be. Um, they tried to set that up because they trapped him in that ship and they dried him out, and I think that's supposed mm. to. Be- the reason why he didn't hustle to the water, but I don't buy it. Especially after M'Baku said that he's as strong as the Hulk, right? Yeah! He, he has to drop that in, and I'm like, that that's not as good of a line as you think that that is, Ryan Coogler, because <laughs> like that that opens up a whole can of worms to where like you're like, wait a minute, so the heart-shaped herb is able to go up against the Hulk? Right. And I was well, like, I don't know. I like, I mean, maybe we don't have you... to take it. We don't have to take it as a scientific fact, though. He's, yeah. It's not like sure he said it. That's true. <laughs> it's just it's just him covering his own vanity from uh, from Fighting. getting his ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh yeah, he's he's definitely, but he's stronger than the Hulk. Shit, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, there's all kinds of possibilities, but yeah. So we have the, the we have the moment where. Uh, she jumps over him and it seems like, you know, she's in, you know, you don't know where the, the, the plot's going to go. And then he says, Imperious Rex finally. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. yay. And yes. she says, she says Wakanda forever. And then you get the ship that you forgot about the ship being there because it was destroyed in about 50,000 pieces that you saw it? blow up and go everywhere. But yep. then you happen to see the old, uh, thrusters that are still there, I guess. It, I thought that she exploded the whole thing again. Well, I was like, isn't this a... Uh, well, it looked like it was just the exhaust from like the propulsion. Wasn't that what burned him? I don't know. I, I saw a big fireball, so I thought that she just somehow made the whole thing blow up and oh, then she sealed was... off from the fire. Yeah, see, I thought it was a thing where it happened to be the exhaust of the plane that was near no. him. It couldn't oh. have been because it was blown up in a thousand pieces, so at least... Maybe just the engine was still there. Yeah, okay. So regardless, she's able to blow this up and then... Uh, dry him out some more. And dry him out some more, which is interesting because it burns the shit out of his back. 
but mm-hmm. maybe those green trunks are still in shape because it didn't get those green trunks. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Okay, are you ready? You're not yeah, ready for this. I'm ready. I, I, I. <laughs> there are cosplayers that took more risk with them green trunks than they let him have in this movie. Yes. And I'm saying, grow a pair, Hollywood. <laughs> like, my dude struts around in a green speedo because mm-hmm. he's proud of who he is, and he's not. A, there's not a whit of shame in the man. No, that's so, part of the persona. Yeah. So bring it to the screen. Bring mm-hmm. it to the screen. Mm-hmm. And if you're gonna cast name Namor. I need to see like at least eight abs. <laughs> he's got He's got to be a real sort of uh, charmer, right? Because I, doesn't he just doesn't it seem like he's either sleeping or nearly sleeping with almost everyone? Yeah, he's just a little he's a little like laconic, mm-hmm. and a little bit of that menace comes through, like when he leaned into Ramonda. Exactly. Yeah. But otherwise, I don't know. Maybe it was. Um, you know, if if you're Mayan, Incan, South American, then you maybe see something because he because the actor is himself, mm-hmm. and so maybe there's a, a cultural bridge that is not extended to me because I'm not mm-hmm. in his acting because he's an actor. He's been an actor before this thing, um, but I wanted to see eight heads tall, green speedo, Namor. <laughs> With eight abs, mm-hmm. I did not get that, and so I I got what I got, and I accepted it, and that. But yeah, I I needed that, and there has been, oh, circulating around the time of this movie's release, some people getting in on getting into those green trunks, right? Uh. and they said that now they said this. I I think they made it up. But they said that they had to CGI the front of his trunks oh. because the actor is packing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they said, huh? That's what they said. And they and I saw screenshots that was supposed to lend credence to that rumor. <laughs> oh I, I still don't buy it, but I will say this. <laughs> when Mr. Namor came out of the water in in in, in Wakanda, mm-hmm. and he was full frontal to us, the mm-hmm. viewer, mm-hmm. there was evidence that he was a male. <laughs> so there was uh, that was the sort of like um, Doctor No James Bond sort of moment, right? Where he's like coming out of the water and yes, it, but it was even more pronounced than that. Ah. Okay. Well, I should know because I I I paused it. Well, look at you. You're and going, I, you're going to the limit of and I research. studied the anatomy. <laughs> and I'm telling you, sir, dresses straight up. All right. Well, there, so you, they, there you have it. They did that much, at least. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> so yes, so the uh, so we have the Imperious Rex, the Wakanda Forever. He gets his back blown up, but not the shorts, and <laughs> uh, he finally yields. And so you think, oh yay, that's the end. But of course, you, if you know Namor, you know that's not the end. End. Yeah, not the end. end. And so they go to the they go to the bottom of the sea, and then what happens? 
when he's back in the bottom of the sea. Well, he gets cussed out by N- Nomura because he um, he yielded. Mm-hmm. As in Shuri, some confusing dialogue for me. Yeah, it was confusing. But Shuri, Shuri had the, po- the opportunity to stab his little guts out. And then her ancestor came to her. Ramonda came mm-hmm. to her and said, show him who you are. That's right, because that was her. That was basically her catchphrase, right? Mm. And so Shuri found herself and extended a treaty to Namor in the sand. Said, "We will protect your. We will protect your city. We will not tell anybody of who you are, where you are, all of that stuff. And you have to promise to yield and don't do this stuff anymore. Don't kill anybody. Don't come after us. Don't do any of that." And he yielded. And so now. Fast forward, whatever, two weeks later, three weeks later, he's back home and Namora's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why? 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 And the confusing stuff was round and round and round. But I think Namor is saying they will need us in the future when the world comes after them. Mm-hmm. Well, the confusing bit to me was she was saying like she's been waiting forever to fight by his side. And I was like, what? How, when did we get evidence of this? She, is, she, is she actually his cousin? And she got gillified back when he got gillified? I don't, well, I don't know. I was just like, well, wait a minute. How has she been waiting forever? Like, they've been plotting forever to do this? Like, what? Question mark, question mark is kind of okay. what I was thinking. Because it's like, well... So you were plotting to attack the land and were just looking for a reason. And so then Maybe. that so then it's like, oh, somebody's looking for a vibranium. Let's go attack somebody, you know, or whatever. But I don't know. That was just like a little it felt almost I like, like a read. I like that. Almost like a throwaway line to but I was kinda like, wait, why is this in here? So well, I think that's the reason. Where right. Namor will be back. Uh, well maybe. We'll see, because that oct- that actor has uh, supposedly been naughty. Oh no! Mm-hmm. Why can't these folks act right? He uh, supposedly he supposedly has been naughty in the way that uh, our villain in the next film has been. Which next film? Uh, Ant Man. Which villain? Oh Mis- no! Mr. Jonathan. Yeah, Mr. Oh, Jonathan. No! Too mm. much testosterone. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's too much testosterone. Too much of that... Uh, gotta look good for the camera. Too much of that stuff going in your veins. Oh, Affecting your brains. I didn't know that. I didn't read that. Uh, that was the that was the word. I don't know that... He hasn't been as uh, nearly... Well, he's not nearly as famous, but he hasn't been as publicized as Mr. Majors, so... But not to us, anyway. Not maybe, to, yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe somewhere else, but uh, not in the States. Wow. So anyway, okay. so so humanity I know, sometimes. I know, it. but but yeah. So let's talk though about the end when it comes to Shuri. Yes. So, so Shuri finally goes. She goes to Haiti for whatever reason to have the ritual to end her. Yeah, and not in Wakanda, which is interesting. Yeah, to burn her funeral stuff and make make peace with her um, grieving. I want to say, as a mental health professional that you don't have to end your grieving in a year 
Mm. Like you don't have to just say, okay, I'm done grieving. It's a process and you, you grieve when you grieve and you process it when you process it. And when you find more days are full of acceptance than all the other things, you're reaching the end of your process. But those other things will come back every once in a while. There'll be a pair of eyes that will remind you, a voice, a song, a sight, a smell. Something will reactivate and you will hurt and it's okay and it's normal and don't think that you're doing it wrong. Wanda. Right. You're speaking to Wanda, I assume. Wanda and everybody listening to Mm. this who has lost a loved one. Mm, There you go. See, that's where, uh, see how we had all this set up for where Shuri could have responded to Ramonda by saying, this is who I am, and then killing Namor right then and there. Mm. And then she's the villain from Black Panther 3. And And she could have been the villain because of what happens later in this scene. Right, and then she's uh, Killmonger, right? Like she's essentially taken over by Killmonger. Well, no, not taken over by Killmonger, just taken Killmonger's place with his motives. Well, right, like in spirit. You know, like in his emotional state, taken over by him, so to speak. Mm. Not like physically controlled by him or anything. No, that's too comic booky. Yeah, but anyway, so that if that was a comic book or if that if it was a wrestling thing, that's what she would have done, right? Mm. If it was a soap opera and you get heel a flip turn, heel turn. That's right. So yeah, so she goes to Haiti. She goes to burn her funeral clothes. Uh, Nakia's like, yeah, I'll come with you, and she's like. Pfft. You thought I'm going down there by myself. <laughs> Damn. That's right. Eric. That's, well, that's what she says, essentially. And so Nikia's she like, said, oh, okay. I think I need to do this alone. Mm-hmm. She was she was kind with it. She didn't she didn't do what she just did. Every time I see Lupita Nyong'o on screen, I always want the best for her though. She just has like such an open face to where you're like, Oh, don't hey, do guys. her wrong. Yeah. Don't do her wrong. Um and so she grieves and thinks about her brother, and it's a it's a touching tribute to all of the things Seriously. that he meant for her. And I was like, oh, okay, here this is getting me feeling the way that I wanted that opening to make me feel, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and then you think that that's it, but and then we have the uh, Rihanna "Lift Me Up" song, <laughs> same, uh, same, same. and then we have. Uh, Nakia finally comes down and she says, Hey, so, uh, yeah, sorry. I moved to Haiti and all, but turns out I've got a reason. Yes. And she introduces Shuri to who? Her nephew, mm-hmm. King T'Challa's son. That's right. Whose name is Toussaint. His Haitian is, name. His Haitian name is Toussaint named after the liberator of Haiti. Oh, the, the 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 one who led the rebellion against the French to liberate Haiti. And what's interesting about that name is, as a big uh, baseball and specifically the Atlanta Braves fan, there ha- there was a young gentleman by the name of Tuki Toussaint hmm. that uh, played for the Braves for a while before being traded, and mm-hmm. he um, is of Haitian descent, I believe. Mm. And so it was interesting when I heard that name. I was like, "Oh, what, Tuki?" <laughs> <laughs> some some response was that yes, mm. uh, but others were um, um, Toussaint 
what well, I don't Lafont Toussaint. I forget what his whole name is. Like I've forgotten everybody else's name. So consistency. I'm, I'm on brand. Yeah. So yeah. So um, she says that that's what his name is, and he says, well, you know, they start chit chatting, and he says, my uh, Wakanda name is what. T'Challa. T'Challa. And I and I was like, ooh, goosebumps. Exactly. That. Because what they did there is they built in how to extend T'Challa, the Black Panther, in any other movies in five years. Yeah. Yep. And so you just, uh, and you never know what's going to happen with the whole uh, Avengers stuff coming up with all of the timelines and the multiverses and the what have yous. Yeah. And so you could always, you know, it gives them options basically into what they want to do. And so I will give Letitia Wright her flowers in this scene because th- these were the scenes where her face with the wobbly showed... chin <laughs> where she's trying not to break down. Not before T'Challa Jr. shows up, but after T'Challa oh, Jr. Okay. gives yeah, yeah, his yeah. name. Uh-huh. After he gives his name, she looks at him, and I think I saw genuine grieving on her face. Mm. Because that at that point there wasn't a wobbly chin like let me let me let me act and earn I'm my paycheck. I'm an paycheck. actor. Yeah, there was none of yeah, that. Yeah, not at that point. At that point, I saw the muscles in her face just shift and twist a little bit, and she held it together, and we went into the song. I think that was the one scene where I saw Letitia Wright's pain at losing her co-star and Shuri's realization that her brother is going to live on in spirit, the ancestor that she couldn't find or didn't find. She's going to see her brother come back alive, at least, you know, in spirit, not actual, like you were talking about, um, in, in his son, who is her little nephew, a piece of her brother that still lives. Right. And I loved that. That yeah, got me. That I thought that, that was good. movie got me. Yeah, I thought that that was really good. That was one of those things where I was like, oh, that's really well done. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. You know, because through the most of the movie, I, I felt like I was more in an analytical sort of state to where it really did come back to that first scene not getting me in the way that I wanted to, and I felt like I was on the defensive from that point. Uh, to where I was kind of like, well, wait a minute, that didn't work. And then it was instead of me being like fully invested into what it was telling me, I was mm-hmm. I was automatically sort of kicked out as to like, ooh, I don't know that that performance is good. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it was kind of like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? Why are why are there so many stories happening? You know, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like a, I wasn't buying in as much as I hoped to. And the fact that I wrote it wrote down like it. I'm not feeling the way that I think I should be and that I want to be, you know, mm. in that opening moment is, was telling to me to where I'm like, no, I, I know what the movie's going for, but I just didn't feel it. Even though I was hoping to, <laughs> I wasn't trying to be resistant to it. I just didn't think it was executed well. Mm. So, but anyway, yeah, so this was, uh, this is the end of phase four. What and did I you... didn't know that much. Yeah, I didn't because know it was the end of fa- of a phase. Yeah, because the uh, the next one is Ant Man and the Wasp, and that's the beginning that's of Phase the beginning Five. Of phase Five, huh? Yeah. Okay. What? Uh, so, what did you think of Phase Four as a whole? Because we we would have started with um, 
Black Widow, I believe. And I believe we started with, um, the Scarlet mm-hmm. Witch show. Okay. That, WandaVision. Was that the beginning of Phase 4? Yeah. Okay. So I believe that was the first thing that came out was WandaVision. Okay. Okay. I thought it was... Uh, I think the phases are murky to me, and I don't get the chunk. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't see the, the through line. Yeah, it's the only still, the only thing that the only thing that makes sense is that they ended phase three with Avengers Endgame. Yes. And you're kinda like, okay, I get it. Like you're that's a stopping point and now this is a restart. And so yeah. I get that they're trying to like reintroduce or they're trying to re remake things and, and introduce things with the whole uh Ross and Allegra de Fontaine stuff. Yeah. Uh that they're trying Winter to Soldier and uh, uh yeah. Yeah, the, winter, the Falcon John and the Winter Walker. Soldier stuff with my boy John Walker. Your boy. Yep. <laughs> you can have him. Uh, and then, you know, we go through, like, they're trying a lot of different things in this phase with She-Hulk, which was a half-hour comedy. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really talk about What If, but them trying to do some animated stuff. I don't um, know why we didn't. I saw it. It I was good. Yeah, I didn't watch it. <laughs> that's why we didn't ladies yeah. and gentlemen and non-binary people that's right all across the world everybody and everyone can know that i didn't watch it um <laughs> and so yeah it ends here because i think this is the last film before they really start getting heavy into he who remains in that sort of stuff mm. Mm. which is what i'm going to call him uh because i haven't seen the movie when he's called something different than that okay so. fair so yeah, so I thought this was this for me was the most uneven by a long stretch in terms of the fi- of the films, mm. and to where some of them I was like, like this one to where I'm like, what is what are they what are we doing what are we doing guys <laughs> like <laughs> I I like the idea of it just being Shuri's redemption and, uh, and getting over grief and maybe making mistakes that caused tension between her and Namor and those two warring countries like that would have been an- plenty for me. Mm-hmm. But having Michaela Cole's character not do too much and having the whole Everett Roth stuff that sets up another film but doesn't have mm-hmm. much of a purpose here, mm-hmm. like, and then having re-reintroduced, I was kind of like, ah, I, okay. But uh, I don't know that I'm, you know, it's not one of those to where I get what they're doing with the whole making it a whole community. But am I ever going to look back and think, you know what, I want to watch part seven of a 40-part movie. Which was what, when you connect them all so much, makes it mm. feel like to me. Mm. Because it's not like you're going to pick up a 12-issue a run and say, I'm going to read just issue 5 today. Like, what would you do that for? You have to read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so when you make them so interconnected, it makes it somewhat impenetrable to where, like, if my kid had not watched any of them, they would have been like, well, what is this? What is the Hobbit guy doing in here? Like, what's, <laughs> what is he doing? And what's that girl from Seinfeld doing? That kind of stuff. <laughs> but here's a here's a um a question to ask yourself that I think might help you allow these some of these characters to be in it. Well, at least let's say Riri. Riri. Uh-huh. They never said what Riri's whole name is. I don't know, but the, where I grew up, that was a short for someone that was mentally challenged. So I don't even like saying uh-huh. her name. Oh, boo! Yeah. yeah. No, that's because, not okay. Yeah, because I have a, a cousin that's mentally challenged, and that's what he would hear a lot. Oh. And so it. I'm like, and so when I saw the name came up, just when they introduced the character, I was like, what? 
and the fact that it was last named Williams, I was like, uh, I don't love this. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me why it took me this entire time, including when I read the comic book, to connect the fact that your last name is the same as Williams' last name. Well, that's right. I'm the Grim Reaper, baby. I'm Simon Williams' brother. Eric Williams. Yeah. Now that I knew, but Riri Williams, her, right. her name is like Rochelle or something. Ah, uh, okay. And so it's just short for that. I forget what her real name is because I forget all the names in this episode, evidently. Mm. That's my purpose here, to forget everybody's <laughs> name. You're doing it well. <laughs> Pro at it. But at the question that I will pose to you is, what would a 13-year-old black girl think when she's sitting down watching this? Mm. Right, she's not from Wakanda. <laughs> sure. Right? She she might not be able to identify with Shuri, but they've given her another person to say, Oh shit. Okay. And I think so when it's not for us, it's still maybe for someone. And that might that might count. That might matter. What do you think? Yeah, I think in something like that, it sort of strikes me as like the same problem that I had with Namor to where I didn't need his full backstory Mm. to where I feel like give me the high points when you're first introducing them. Then when it's about them, give me all of the detail. Mm -hmm, You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah, so you just give me like, show me why Riri's cool. And then maybe I'll want to know more about her going forward. But they're kind of like in the middle ground of you're giving me more than I think I need to just be interested, but you're not giving like it's not about them. So I'm not getting a full uh, journey for them. So I don't know. It's like a weird middle ground for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like an uncanny valley, but for character development. (laughs) That's kind of what it is. (laughs) That's kind of what it is. All right. Well, anything else that we haven't mentioned about Black Panther Wakanda forever? Wakanda forever. <laughs> um, oh, well, I do want to say that for a good chunk of the movie, the leads were black females, black yes, women. Yes, yes, female. very female driven. Black women. Very, and very. in the absence of of Chadwick Boseman, I think it was a good job to say we can have not just one black woman, not just two, not just three black women. We can have four and five black women lead this movie, and it's it's fine. Right. It's true. I mean, because why not? There, how many movies have there been 11 white men <laughs> be the star and the co-star and the villain and the this and the that, and it's just white, 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 yeah. and nobody's ever asked. How many white people do we need here? Yeah, most of them. <laughs> Nobody's yeah, ever asked Most of the point. movies have been that, yeah. <laughs> so I do like the fact that when, like, the only white boy comes on the screen as Martin Freeman, right? Mm-hmm. To where I do like that Okoye has to specify him both times that she <laughs> sees him, right? It's by digging at him by calling him a colonizer. Colonizer? Yeah. And I do like, you know, that's who Namor should be upset about anyway, is the white man, right? For the whole smallpox and everything anyway. Yes. So. But, I mean, he's spent so much time underwater that I guess maybe everybody looks the same to him. I guess. But leave Wakanda <laughs> alone. Go get those white folks. Dang. <laughs> and the other thing I want to say is that all that water work. Oh, man. For Okoye. 
at least a quarter. But I was waiting to see how much water work she had to do. And I realized it's not a lot because she got dumped in the drink. And that's when Riri and um, Shuri got snatched and she was powerless and she lost that fight and she had to go home and get fired because of it. I know I follow a um, swim trainer on Instagram who in one of his um, he had a, a live or a session with or somehow he explained that he was the trainer for her. Mm. And I'm thinking it had to be um, Lupita Nyong'o because oh, she okay. did more swimming than I saw Okoye do. Right. Yeah, because she went down to go save them to begin with. And this trainer is fantastic. His name is Dan Daly, D-A-L-Y. Okay. Go on Instagram at Dan Daly, Dan Daly. Dan Daly, and will, okay. And he, you will see all sorts of dry land exercises to do to prepare you to be a swimmer, and then you will see him swim and just do, like, all the good stuff. And he's here in New York. Hmm. Well, one of the interesting bits of trivia about swimming was the character, the actor that played Namor, they asked if he could swim, is what Ryan Coogler asked him. And he says, well, I've never drowned. <laughs> and, yes. then, and then after he got the job, he went and got swimming lessons because he did, couldn't really swim that well. <laughs> yes, I saw that. <laughs> I actually saw that as an interview when he said that. It's pretty funny. Pretty good stuff. Anything else do you wanted to mention, Alan? Nothing else that I wanted to mention. Okay. I, I can't find Riri's actual name right now. I'm we'll looking say Rochelle. It's Rochelle? Say it again. Well, I said we'll just say it's Rochelle. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So that'll kind of wrap us up here for Phase 4 of the MCU. If you have any comments for the show, you can email me at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. If you wanted to help out the show, you could check out our show notes where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. I do want to thank Mr. New Mutant for coming on. If people wanted to hear more from you, get in touch with you, or just uh, follow you over at that thing that was called Twitter and is now called X, where could they do that? I mean, I hope. I don't know what the heck we're going to call it. Yeah, you can do that at, <laughs> at New Mutant. If you go to Instagram, you can go at New Mutant 08. And if you go to Threads, I am I am at New Mutant 08. And I think I'm going to go more to Threads than anything else because I'm tired of I'm tired of the guy that's running Twitter and just doing anything he wants to do. That's I'm right. like I'm ready to leave him. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And you can join me next week for volume five of the podcast. So much like the MCU ending phase four, this is uh, us ending volume four. So next week is the first episode of volume five of the podcast. And it is subtitled The Culling, where my guests and I are going to be looking at an unwatched film from my Plex server and decide whether I should keep it or delete it. And we're starting with a shocker that I have not seen, which is the uh, the final film to this point in the Star Wars saga. And I, and again, as of uh, recording, I had not seen it. And it is, uh, of course, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. And you can join Alan and I soon as we begin Phase 5 of the MCU with a discussion of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. No woman, no cry. No woman, no cry I remember when we used to sit In a government yard in Trenchtown 